is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. listening to the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On the Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization, and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, Executive Director at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Jamie Hubinoff on our show today. Jamie is the founder of the Leadership Agency, North America's fastest growing recruitment agency for the technology and startup community. The Leadership Agency helps build the most impressive companies of our generation, all while disrupting the status quo and helping companies make their best hires. As HRD Canada's best service provider of 2019, the Leadership Agency focuses exclusively on sales, leadership, and IT recruitment for the fastest growing startups in the world, including Touch Bistro, Uber Flip, Skip the Dishes, Stack Adapt, Venna, JustWorks, just to name a few. With over 15 years of experience working with North America's most fascinating companies, Jamie has interviewed over 10,000 candidates and has placed an estimated 3,000 top-tier leaders in the North American market. She is a trailblazer within the HR and recruitment space and continues to contribute her expertise to noble publications such as Forbes.com, CBC, The Globe and Mail, Inc. Magazine, and HR.com. Jamie continuously demonstrates the values of an outstanding leader and embraces innovation change, and growth within recruitment, HR, and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Thank you so much. Fantastic. Woo. So we've got a lot to dive into today, I think, yes. uh, with all of your incredible experience. So if you can think of one thing that you want our audience to take away from conversations, I'm sure there will be many pieces. What would be the one thing you want our, our audience to take away? Well, I think that the one thing that the audience um, can take away from this, regardless if they're coming to he- to listen to this um, to get an entrepreneurial perspective or to learn about um, recruitment and best practices. Um, the one thing that I can speak to as a business owner and an entrepreneur and having worked with, like you mentioned, some of the, the most fascinating startups um, all throughout North America is that it's really hard and everyone struggles with it. You're not alone, whether that's Um, You're hiring your first leader or an entire sales team or um, a coordinator. Like it, 
it doesn't matter the the role or your stage of growth. Just know you're not alone um, and that it's difficult for everyone. Mm, I love that. That is so, so, so important. And, and a, a, a note that comes up so consistently in a lot of our Thrive podcasts, that, that idea that especially in the entrepreneurial community, it can feel very isolating and that you're going through these unique challenges that seem so Herculean. But having that constant reminder that you're not the only person and you have so many support mechanisms to, to leverage um, throughout this journey. So I love that. Fantastic. So tell us about the leadership agency. Why did you start it? Um, and how did it begin? Yeah, great question. And thank you for asking. Um, we, when I founded the leadership agency, I mean, I had come from, um, prior to, to founding the company, a, a corporate recruitment background and an agency uh, recruitment background. So I've had the opportunity to, to see it all. And my passion, you know, whether it was on the corporate side or working with an agency, was always working with startups. Um, you know, you can, there's no barrier to entry into this crazy world of recruitment. Um, anyone can essentially start a recruitment agency. So there's hundreds and thousands of, of companies and brands and thought leaders out there. But I couldn't find anyone in the marketplace that shared the same passion that I did for, um, you know, helping build some of the most impressive companies of our generation. And, uh, you know, my passion, like I mentioned, is is working with founders, is working with their venture capital, um, you know, leaders and their investors, and really helping higher material impact people into their organization. That's then going to ultimately change. Um, you know, the world one day, like, I know it sounds outrageous, but like when you work with companies that, um, you know, change the way that we even interact on the day to day, like how we order our food, mm. um, how we, um, you know, like Uber, like these things, these companies, these startups, they, they literally change our lives. And mm -hmm. so I think that that's really where the passion came from. Uh, we are a mission focused company. So we do only work with startups and high growth companies across North America. Um, our goal was to be in the US in five years. We made it there in 18 months. Incredible. So, um, you know, we love our New York office. We love working with our New York clients. And um, it's just been such a great journey. Incredible. I love that. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about the state of HR in 2020? What is it looking like this year that has been different than years past? Yeah, great question. So we, the leadership agency, we were sponsors for the HR Tech Summit mm. in New York. And I was the host for the HR Tech Summit in Toronto um, in 2019. And, the, you know, being so involved in the, um, not just the HR Tech industry, but what that brings are HR thought leaders from all over the world into one room for, you know, three days. And what you learn about is their challenges, their um, paths of disruption, their, um, you know, thought leadership. And so it really paints the picture for what's ahead. And I think that for 2020, uh, there are some really key, uh, I guess, areas of HR business practice that will be um, seen as sort of a pattern of change um, moving forward and of which are um, employee experience. Um, really, you know, leading from the inside out as being a people first company um, influences not only how you treat 
the people who work for your company currently, but the future employees of your organization and giving everyone an amazing candidate experience. And then you can slice and dice that into you know, even further important topics like the inclusion aspect. But overall, it's the employee and candidate experience. Um, the second one is employee and candidate engagement. Um, you're going to see a lot of technology companies um, popping up, um, whether they, they're here now or they're up and coming. Um, but there's going to be a lot of dialogue and discussion about um, engagement and engagement scores and how you measure that level of engagement and the importance to your business and really changing the narrative around um, your return on your investment with your employee. Like, I think, you know, we're so used to having a standard metric of like, well, if the company, if the person lasts for five years, well, then that was a great return on my investment. Mm-hmm. But Just in time. Exactly. So there's going to be a lot um, to do with that. Uh, I also think that one of the um, biggest changes you'll see in HR is having representation at the C-level. So chief people officer, chief talent officer, chief engagement officer, um, you know, these are all brand new titles. And I think 2020 is going to be a big year for, for seeing this representation at the leadership team. Fantastic. And I love that movement towards focusing on employee experience, employee engagement, and looking at success differently with employees, that time is not necessarily the only success factor. You want to be engaging them um, really um, authentically and and that they see themselves within the growth of the the organization, especially when you're working in startups, that being such a unique space um, to try to increase engagement when things um, you know might be a little bit shaky at the beginning or when there are so many unknowns about the future of the organization. It looks differently, I imagine, in the startup space as it would in another more traditional sort of uh, organization. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool. So when you think of entrepreneurs, if you are hiring uh, your first employee, so let's kind of peel it back to that that first hire. Um, what does every entrepreneur need to know about hiring their first staff member? Great question. And I, like I said earlier, I, I can vouch for this because <laughs> I've done it, mm. um, you know, as an entrepreneur. But the, the number one thing it doesn't matter if your first employee is going to essentially run your company um, operationally or um, develop new revenue models for your company. Like it does not matter what that person's responsibility is um, or what degree of material impact they'll have. The number one thing that you need um, to to remember or to look for, not in them but in yourself, is can you trust this person? And are you inspired by them? Mm. And how do you gauge for that in an interview? So thinking about that, that sometimes, uh, you know, even with friendships, that you might trust somebody at the beginning of, of your relationship with them, but then realize that they might not be trustworthy or that that relationship gets, that, that gets compromised later on. How do you gauge for that in an actual hiring process? Very good question. I think if you're looking at the measurement of trust, mm-hmm. I think that the only real way to measure trust in an interview is really trusting your own instinct. Mm, but, going to the gut. Yeah, going to the gut. But look for an example, if possible. Like If it's there, then literally pull at every thread if it is there. Is Look for previous examples of them having worked with a business owner or a founder. Mm. And really understand what that the dynamic dynamic of that relationship, um, and really truly understand everything that went into making that relationship, if it was successful, what made it successful, and so 
if that's not there, then that's, you know, a tangible piece of um, quantifiable information that you won't have to measure uh, when it comes to trust. I would also, um, you know, understand from them, you know, what what they look for in a leader, mm. you know, so that's always a really good way to to measure someone's um, threshold of like trust and vulnerability, but really is just finding out what makes them inspire or what inspires them and what makes them feel trusted, I guess, is the best way to describe that. But really, like, it just comes down to your gut instinct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. And that's it's challenging. But and I think just developing that over time as well, that you gain that confidence uh, through going um, through multiple hiring processes or, or sort of um, establishing that confidence in yourself um, and seeing how the interview process shifts into um, bringing staff on full time and seeing what works and doesn't work. So maybe it's also a, a timing kind of challenge as well. True. Mm-hmm. So what when you think of the common mistakes that entrepreneurs make when they are hiring either their first employee or, or other employees, what common mistakes are you seeing? The most common mistake that we see, um, and you know, we see this a lot, like is is people will get really hung up um, on someone's a salary expectations that can be, and you can't really. Um, like if your expectations and their expectations don't line up, sometimes there's just nothing financially you can do to model that like or to to be competitive. But sometimes what that will do is you'll have somebody whose um, salary expectations are potentially a lot lower than somebody's who are higher, but not really being able to identify the gap in the experience versus expectation. So a lot of times people will go with someone who um, is maybe a bit more junior and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't even like using the word junior per se, um, but because the, the dollars um, are, are, are a bit more aligned to what they expected to or wanted to pay. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I actually have written a lot of content and have been interviewed a lot on this topic. Um, it is perfectly okay. And I actually highly, highly recommend mm-hmm. um, hiring someone's talent and potential over their experience only if you're prepared to, to support them in their growth. If you don't have the time or the resources um, or the infrastructure in developing someone's talent and into experience, then that can be a really, um, I guess, long and, and troublesome journey for both of you. So if you've got the infrastructure and the the even a couple, like leadership within your organization and the time and the commitment and the passion for it, um, I'd say hire talent and potential over experience any day and every day. Um, but if you don't, then do be prepared to to pay for experience. Mm, yeah, paying for experience. I love that. And and how do you find during uh, sort of negotiations or when um, employers are trying to find the right candidate and they have this exceptional candidate, uh, but that it, the salary expectations are completely misaligned? Um, and at the end of the day, though, you think that's going to grow your organization beautifully. How do you assess that risk that you might not necessarily be ready to make that jump in bringing on that experience, but you see such incredible benefit from making that jump? How do you assess that risk? That's a great question. I think that every single negotiation uh, situation I've ever been in, and I have negotiated probably hundreds of thousands I of, can imagine <laughs> uh, contracts and salaries. And I'm yeah. not even joking when I tell you this, that nobody like 
not even CEOs of companies are comfortable talking about compensation. It mm. is like even trained professionals in, in HR are, are maybe able to navigate that in a, in a business practice way, but aren't comfortable discussing it. It is a very, uh, it's probably the most important thing when it comes to making a hire. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone accepting your offer, but it's the number one thing that people are afraid of or uncomfortable talking about. It is so bizarre. Like I, I, I there's, that's a whole other topic of conversation, but mm-hmm. um, I think that for a salary negotiation and just salary dialogue um, to be successful, it has to happen early on. So that is my number one recommendation to companies looking to hire is to have salary conversations much earlier than you are comfortable doing so. And I don't mean the first time you have coffee with someone or you interview mm. someone like <laughs> that's like, it's, it's once you determine, you know what, I want to take this, this person to the next stage of discovery, um, whether that's giving them a chance to interview me or um, understand a bit more about our financials or understand our culture better, like whatever that process is for you as a, as a company, um, once you've made that decision, um, always start to incorporate. It doesn't have to be one big conversation. Start adding in layers so that by the time you get to negotiation, you have all the ingredients to prepare and present a great offer. Start asking things like, how is your um, commission paid? Um, currently, what is your measurement of success? Um, what is your on-target income? What are your expectations? Um, what percentage of raise, like how big have your raises been over the past couple of years? Like start to find out what makes them tick when it comes to money so that that conversation's already been had a couple times over. It's just not one big conversation that's had that makes everyone uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're breaking it out into bite-sized pieces and that as a part of an evolving conversation as opposed to kind of coming down with this hammer <laughs> or this one figure that um, is one data point. You're not getting all of the other um, colorful elements of what is built into that number. Exactly. So when we see um, entrepreneurs maybe not being able to offer the most competitive salaries early days uh, as they're getting their organizations up and running, what are other levers that they can tap into from an employee experience perspective or other areas that might be more flexible that they could offer to really try to get top talent from day one? Yeah, we see this a lot, uh, especially given who we work with. Um, You know, we Mm -hmm. range in terms of companies like some of our clients are like pre-revenue and like like seed round all the way to pre-IPO. So the that's that's a big spectrum like that, that, you know, from what they can offer to what they can't and how they um, get creative. But the number one thing that is common, um, regardless of the size of company or how even competitive they can be, um, you know, in their compensation, the number one thing is um, allowing their their company, their team, their people um, to be, uh, I guess, self-expressed in expressing what they want, what makes them happy, right? Like, so, you know, we work with a lot of companies who have um, put a lot of investment into understanding their employees or potential hires in, you know, what motivates you. Like if you were to um, choose between working from home or leaving early on Fridays or, um, you know, having 
uh, a healthcare spending account or um, having kombucha on tap to <laughs> I'm like, into that. Um, <laughs> and really talk and having conversations and dialogue about that early on, but also while you're employed mm. there. But um, so there's a lot of talk about it. Like, and you'll even see, like, if you just Google, like, um, employee engagement and perks and benefits and all these things, like, there is so much conversation about this right now. Um, so I'd say that's the number one common thing is that, like, understanding, like, what makes your people tick and providing it if you can. But when it comes down to dollars and cents in, in, in that regard, um, the, the number one thing is equity. That will always carry a lot of value. When you are somebody who has a passion or has made a decision in their their professional career to join a startup, like this may be the first startup that you join. Um, but that doesn't really happen by accident. That is usually a decision that you're making, right? So um, there is a level of expectation that, hey, listen, if I join a startup early on or early stages or um, whatever it may be, having that equity play is really, really important. Um, some people, it, it doesn't motivate them. Um, like it's probably worked for a lot mm. of startups and have had equity and it's not really paid out. But um, I'd say equity is mm. definitely something that you can always use to compensate or balance the scale in terms of compensation. Fantastic. I love that. And and back to the kind of what makes you happy conversation. I love the idea of asking those questions, but I imagine um, returning back and, and honoring that, that ask being really important as well, that if you're asking in an interview process or when you're bringing somebody on, you know, what makes you tick, but then nothing is actually followed through on that, that that could be really erosive to the employee experience. Yes, we, we, it can be absolutely. But I think that the dialogue that's happening um, about these things is, is more about giving people the opportunity to have a voice mm. and, you know, whether that is everything gets fulfilled or not. I, I think as long as it's positioned and I think um, discussed and implemented properly and with thought, um, you know, it, it, it does happen in a really meaningful way, but it, I guess it just depends on um, how it gets executed and fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And when you think of um, uh, building a really strong internal culture from day one when you're starting up your startup, um, but it being an unusually demanding environment and working for founders or working for CEOs being a very specific space and you know, you're bringing um, potentially someone else's vision to life, um, they might be working 24-7 round the clock to bring this organization um, up uh, to the space that they want to see it. What Do you have any recommendations for um, how how to maintain that engagement um, during really high intensity periods and when the future is potentially so unknown? Yeah. So recommendation to founders. Oh uh, like yeah. To- yeah, exactly. That how do you bake that in um, and, and acknowledge that um, this might be your baby and this is your organization, but your staff are, are kind of along with you for that ride. But how do you uh, manage expectations, but still try to keep them motivated during really intensive periods of time? Okay, great. Yeah. So my, I've had the experience, I've had the privilege, I should say, um, to work for a best in class, best in class, sorry, founder mm. and entrepreneur and visionary. And like literally sat beside this founder for, you know, two or three years of my career when I was in corporate recruitment. And I think the number one thing I, I can directly say, like I, I learned from this founder, but also having worked with founders and leaders of 
you know, within our client portfolio, um, the number one thing is empathy. Mm. Like, and I know empathy gets talked about so much and it gets talked about in a way that maybe people have never experienced it, um, either receiving it or, or, you know, providing empathy. But honestly, like I would say that's the number one piece of advice I would say is put yourself in not just your employees, um, shoes, but your customer shoes and really understanding the impact that you have as an individual and your company on everyone around it. Like, and really reminding yourself of that. But, and, and I think the second, um, piece of advice I would, I would give, and I've seen is, is transparency. It's not, and transparency, you know, just means different things to different people, but I mean, you're not going to be always transparent. Like, um, you know, if you're not a publicly traded company, financials, you know, aren't typically divulged, right? So transparency has just a different spectrum, but I think transparency, um, you know, on this level, this sort of intimate level means being really open and honest about your expectations. Um, and, you know, understanding, you know, what someone's expectations of you are, mm-hmm. you know, so I think transparency and dialogue around expectations is really, really important. Yeah. And I can see it sort of taking uh, almost change management best practices during uh, as startups are starting up um, that in those those areas of maybe more vague expectations or not knowing where you're going, um, that communicating often and communicating honestly and transparently that having a lot of um, clout, that that being a really important juncture to establish that trust um, and and build that into to your existing work structure. That's awesome. And so those two things being key for all also retaining your top team members. Do you have other um, suggestions on how entrepreneurs can retain their top talent? Yeah, I think, you know, what I've seen, um, I myself as an entrepreneur, but also like our clients and just people who I've had the privilege to to work with, um, retention, I think really comes down to um, inspiring one another. Like, I I think that if you're inspired and they are inspired, you know, that is something that you can't manufacture, right? Like you can't, I can't, um, give you every perk and every, um, I guess motivator in terms of work-life balance or like whatever it may be, um, to inspire you. Like you are either going to be inspired by me or you're not. And like, you just can't manufacture Mm -hmm. that. So I think always, um, fueling that, that flame, so to speak, in terms of inspiration is really important. But I also think that, um, being challenged, like really challenging each other, Mm. um, is important. Like if you know, you have a leader that's leading a line of business, um, whether that's finance or marketing or sales, and you know, they have the potential, um, or the organization does, um, you know, and they're a contributor to that, um, to do more and to be better and to, um, to challenge the status quo or do something that's completely unknown. Um, then challenging them to do that. But that doesn't mean like giving them higher targets or quotas or whatever it may be. It's like understanding, listen, I know you can get there. What do I need to do to get you there? Like, do you need more resources? Do you need more financing? Do you need more people? Do you need, um, you know, roadblocks taken out of, you know, your day to day, like whatever it is, Mm -hmm. really understanding and challenging them to get there. 
I love that. Oh, this is so inspiring. I, I'm totally in complete <laughs> agreement. Fantastic. <laughs> and, and so when we look at um, leveraging technology and HR, maybe we can switch to uh, focusing on that side of this conversation. How can entrepreneurs leverage tech and HR in this recruitment process to find ideal candidates, to onboard them, um, to retain them? What, at what points of leverage are there there? Yeah, and this is such a fascinating, I, I think that anything that can be disrupted will be disrupted, mm, right? Sing uh, it. <laughs> yeah, and I think that HR um, is sort of not in this disruption phase, but it's like, I think that HR has a, a sort of over the past, I'd say 10 years, there's been a lot of disruptors, mm. um, you know, and how we engage and how we attract and, um, you know, recruit like you know what I mean from a talent perspective but I think what we've realized is that HR is will forever be a people process mm. right so it's not about uh disrupting it completely mm-hmm. it's about enhancing it right so I think there's a lot of enhancement opportunities and a lot of enhancement um technologies out there which is so exciting to see as having been an you know an HR professional pretty much my whole career um you know i i still to this day i mean whatever i don't care i'll own it i still use excel for certain (laughs) things but like i ran my life when i was a corporate recruiter literally off of excel Mm -hmm. like there wasn't a a minute of my day if i wasn't interviewing that i wasn't doing something in excel Mm -hmm. now i have um you know so many technology choices to make um how do i um engage like uh, do I do it through social media channels? Do mm-hmm. I do I use a technology that pushes our brand and our content and our message collectively through one portal to our social media? Um, does that give a more concise branding experience? Um, do I post jobs on certain websites versus mm-hmm. others? Do I um, use an automated um, technology platform to engage with our active candidates, um, people who we've placed? You know, get feedback. Like, there's all these ways. AI is a, is a really big, um, you know, movement. Obviously, everyone knows that. But um, AI is, is really sort of um, stepping up in terms of how it um, can enhance your life. So, like, knowing when someone um, is potentially looking to, to make a move from their organization, mm. being really proactive and being really ahead of your talent competitors and being able to reach out to them and and get ahead of that that decision before someone else does so there's a lot of choices out there like just so many when it comes to hr um which is i think in my opinion really exciting fantastic and i'm just seeing that we have some background extra music coming in here hold on let me just shift this Okay. I don't know why it's popping in over there. Uh, I was like, man, the the background audio is appearing in the the back already, but it's all good. Uh, We're all set. So um, how can um, entrepreneurs or or at what juncture should entrepreneurs be considering hiring a recruitment partner? What does that look like? Yeah, I think recruitment partners, you know, there's so many partnership opportunities, whether that's an agency that you want to work with or a contract recruiter mm-hmm. or just a technology provider. Like if you want to sort of as a founder and as an entrepreneur, like, you know what, listen, I don't have time to go through all these resumes. It's very time there's, consuming. That I, oh, it's huge. Yeah. And you know what? There's probably some really good people in there yeah. um, that you're, that you'll miss. And now there's technology that can help you with that. So I think recruitment partnerships can just mean different things to different people. But I mm-hmm. think that, um, 
actually, I, my, it's not that I think, I, I, I believe that you should always have a recruitment partner. Hmm. Um, you should not be doing this on your own. It is really hard, like I mentioned in my very first statement, to do this. Everyone struggles with it. So you should always have someone or something that is going to enhance this or support you or in, in, in some capacity. Like no one should be doing recruitment completely on their own. Okay. I, I think that um, there needs to be difference of opinion. There needs to be um, a different levels of um, understanding. So like if you're interviewing somebody and you're really trying to get to know them, um, you know, have somebody else interview them. Maybe it's a board member. Mm. Maybe it's, you know, somebody on the front line, like maybe it's a sales rep. Um, whoever it is, like, I just don't think that you should ever really do this on your own. Mm -hmm. Um, but if I were to, I guess, write a prescription and just sort of give a, a higher, like a, a more detailed answer, I think that when looking to hire a recruitment partner or hire someone internally to start doing this for you, um, I think it's when, um, like, what would I say to be a bit, um, of a formula? I, I, I really think that. A, when you can afford it. Mm. <laughs> I know that that just seems like silly, but like, it really comes down to it. Like, if you can Absolutely. afford to hire someone, um, do it. And I think second of all is um, when you start to have a leadership team or need a leadership, like if you need to hire leaders, mm. um, whether that's your first VP or you're building at your C-level, um, that really should be when you start to, to seek uh, a partnership mm -hmm. somewhere mm -hmm. and some some external counsel. I like that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just for fun, is there one key question that you love asking in the interview process, or or one kind of secret nugget that has provided or yielded really helpful information that you could share uh, with our audience? Yeah, um, you know what's so funny is I I haven't interviewed people like from a recruitment perspective mm, in, a, in, a, in like five years, yeah. but um, I think that. One of the things that tells a lot about someone is asking them, like, what did you do to prepare for today? Ooh, like, mm -hmm. yeah, um, it will really show their level of, I guess, of even empathy to some degree, because it's showing them like, hey, listen, I've got an hour with this person. Like, I better put myself in their shoes and, and really try to get the most out of them, mm -hmm. because that's what I would want in somebody's request of time of mine. So um, ask them what they did to prepare for today. Um, and then I also find out like, honestly, like what motivates you? Like when was the last time you were motivated, like truly motivated um, by something? And that can literally be like, um, you know, I love when people answer this honestly. Like it, I think a lot of people think um, the best thing to say is like, I was really motivated by this project mm -hmm. or by winning this deal. But I love when people are really, truly self-expressed and in who they are in that moment. Like if someone's like, hey, listen, I just learned how to play chess. Mm. And I was really motivated to like, you know, beat my cousin, like whatever <laughs> it is, yeah. like just really understanding who they are and what motivates them, or at least they may not understand what motivates them, but understanding what was the last thing that motivated them. Mm. I love that. And that self-awareness I think is so important as well. Yes. Uh, and yeah. you can kind of gauge for that in that interview question. Fantastic. I love that. I will definitely put that to use in, in my next interview. <laughs> Uh, so if you could provide one final piece of advice for our entrepreneurs who are looking to build their A-teams to really scale and, and win, um, what would be that one final piece of advice you could offer? I think the number one thing I would say is really um, 
keep your candidate experience at the forefront. Mm. Candidate experience isn't necessarily going to help you make more hires in that very moment. Um, you know, how you treat someone and the experience you provide them um, can definitely impact and influence their level of desire for your company and your brand in that moment. But more importantly, if you are truly looking to scale, and, and scaling is, is, is very different than just hiring one off, mm -hmm. but um, if you're truly looking to scale, you need a truly remarkable um, talent brand. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you are coming in and you are making hundreds of hires and you are now competing on a completely different level um, and you don't have a remarkable talent brand, not whether or not your app or your company is something that people like and enjoy and you're raising your next round. None of that actually matters as much as your talent brand when it comes to recruitment. Mm. That's fantastic. That's such, such important advice. And to start as you mean to go on, that um, you might be at different junctures, but if you're building that in from day one, um, that becomes part of your hiring culture. And, and then you live that in every hire that you make moving forward. Yes. Fantastic. That's, that's great. So where can entrepreneurs go to learn more about you and the leadership agency? We, you can come to our website, mm -hmm. which is leadershipagency.com. Um, we're on Twitter, which is um, at WeHeartLeaders. Our Instagram is uh, the Leadership Agency, and then LinkedIn um, is the Leadership Agency. And then what I recommend for anyone looking to connect with us, like you can go to like, I think info at leadershipagency.com, which is one of our emails. But really my recommendation is go to LinkedIn, look at every person who works for the company and feel free to reach out to any one of us. Mm. Like whether it's me or the VP of account management, Elizabeth Prigionero, or Sarah Pizzano, who's our operations manager. Like every one of us will have a different perspective. Um, we're at different stages of growth within our own professional career. We've all worked with different clients. So like literally reach out to anyone. Fantastic. Well, that's a great call to action right there. So <laughs> to all of our listeners, <laughs> there we go. We're all set. Well, thank you so much for, for this fantastic conversation, Jamie. I think this was really practical. And, and as Startup Canada uh, continues to scale, um, I think uh, some of these lessons learned are, are going to be put into action immediately. So thank you. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook Resources for Women Entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. Visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Matthew Curtis and plug in to the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to thrive.